So happy Easter, everybody. It is so great to be here with you worshiping the resurrected Jesus here at Greenbelt Online. Maybe you're new with us today. Maybe a friend invited to invited you to join us, or maybe you found us just through social media. Uh, however you got here, whether you have been a part of the Greenbelt family for decades or whether this is your first Sunday, I am so glad that you're here and that we can worship and that we can grow and that we could just kind of dig into the Bible a little bit together today as we celebrate this Easter Sunday. Um, now, I don't know about you, and I don't know exactly how your life has played out, but when I reflect on my life over the last 12 months, um, I have received a lot of advice, <laughs> and maybe some of you can really relate with this as well. Like, I was actually just reflecting about um, one day. In the last 12 months and in one day uh, in, you know, in this last 12 months during this pandemic that we've been dealing with for 12 months in one single day, I got so much advice on the same topics going in several different directions. For example, in one day, I received you know, advice that I should open up the church 100%, a 100% capacity, and doesn't matter how many people are physically attending the building, just fully open up. And then in the same day, I got advice going, you're considering opening up at 30%? Are you crazy? It should be zero. Keep everything closed. <laughs> I got advice on, hey, faith leaders are now allowed to put their name forward to get vaccinated, so you should put your name forward as a faith leader. And then in the same day, got advice going, are you crazy? Why would you ever do that as a faith leader? <laughs> Maybe your life is a little bit like that as well, is there is so much information out there right now. There is so much advice. And I don't kind of take this advice in a negative way because I don't think people are, are you know, being mean or, or trying to be confusing on purpose. I think people are offering advice out of a good heart. I think people are offering advice because they care. But sometimes in our lives, advice can radically be contradictory in the same day. So that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about advice as we celebrate Easter together. Because you and I have to ask ourselves a very important question. We have to ask ourselves, how do you and I process and choose the advice that we're going to follow? Some of us, you know, if we're honest, we don't even really think about it. Just kind of gravitate towards some advice more than we gravitate to other advice. As I was reflecting on that this week, um, I tend to, now not always, but I tend to take advice from people who I know really well. If I know their motives, I know their heart, and I realize that, that they know me well and they know my motives and they know my heart, those are the people that I tend to take their advice. But um, as we think about that, what's our process for taking advice? And even in my own case of sharing the example I just gave you, um, that's not always true. Sometimes people who I greatly admire and greatly trust have given me really bad advice. 
<laughs> has that ever happened to you? That someone you greatly trust has given you really bad advice? <laughs> or maybe a complete, total stranger has given you great advice that you took. I actually can think of an example of that in my own life where a complete total stranger gave me some amazing, amazing advice. It happened when my son Cameron was born. We were still in the hospital in Montreal. Cameron's a, a day old and someone showed up into our room selling registered education saving plans. I, I didn't even know what an RESP was, right? But this guy put this fear of God in me about how much education was going to cost by the time Cameron would be old enough to head off to university. So in a panic, in, in a fearful, unwise moment, um, I signed on the dotted line to send $100 a month to a complete and total stranger. And, and then I just kind of let that lie for 18 years. <laughs> Oh my goodness, am I ever glad I listened to that person's advice when my son finally was ready to head off, you know, to a post-secondary education where suddenly there was all this money and resources available to do so. It was some great financial advice from a complete and total stranger. See, in all of our lives, we have to learn how to look at the advice that we receive and how are we going to process that advice, and more than just process it, what are we going to do with it? Will we actually listen to it, or will we ignore it? As I talk to so many different people, whether it's here in our city or in, the, in our nation or even around the world, when I talk to people from a different faith background than I have, or especially when I talk to people of no faith, you know, who don't believe in God, who don't believe in the importance of the church, who don't believe in Jesus. When I talk to those people, uh, they tend to see the Christian faith as simply being about some good advice. And maybe you're joining us today here at Greenbelt Online, and that's your position as well. And if it is, God bless you. I'm so glad that you're here today. But sometimes we can see faith, people see faith as simply good advice. That there was some religious teacher, there was some good moral leader at some point in human history who gave some really good advice, and then they died, and then their followers continued that advice. We can actually see that play out all throughout human history, and not just in the side of religion. We can actually see this play out in political movements or, or social movements where people are trying to bring change, good, important, and necessary change into society. Like if we think of from a, a religious perspective, for example, if we think of the prophet Muhammad who, who died in 632, he died of natural causes, and then his family and his friends kind of then went into this season of kind of arguing and trying to take his teaching and figuring out what to do with it and, and how they should continue that, which actually led to division in that faith, which is why you've got the Shiites and the Sunnis, because it just kind of branched off because of these disagreements. And from a social perspective, from a society perspective, a great example of that would be Martin Luther King Jr., right? And when he was shot in 1968 and, and his movement of the civil rights movement, and it continued because people caught his vision, caught the huge importance of equality among all people, regardless 
of the color of your skin, regardless of where you come from. And that's so crucial. Great advice. And so followers hear these leaders. They recognize the importance of it. And they continue that message. And if we're honest, sometimes the teachings of Jesus can feel that way too. That it's simply good advice. I mean, that's good for you, pastor. Or that's good for those Christians. And even as followers of Jesus, sometimes if we're really honest with one another, we can sit there and say, well, there's certain things about the teachings of Jesus that I really like. I'm going to listen to that advice. But there's other things about the teachings of Jesus that I'm not going to take, (laughs) that I'm not going to listen to, that I'm not going to implement into my life because I don't want that advice. I like this advice, but not that advice. And so that's the challenge that I want us to look at today is what do we do with Jesus? What do we do with the teaching of Jesus? What do we do with the message that he came to bring? Is Jesus just simply a good moral man who gave good advice? Or even if you believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be, Are you actually willing to listen to him completely in your life? That's what I want us to talk about this Easter celebration. And so I'm going to read here from Luke chapter 24. For the past three months, we as a church family have been going through the gospel of Luke. And now the beauty of Luke's gospel is way back in Luke chapter 1, he actually tells us the purpose of why he wrote these things down. He wrote in Luke chapter 1, down in verse 4, is that he wrote these things to give an orderly account. He want, like Luke is a doctor. He's a physician. He's an educated man. And he wanted to write an orderly account. He didn't want to just write down all these stories on little pieces of paper. And you have all these little pieces of paper. You've got to try to figure out the timelines and figure out what's going on. Didn't want it to just be kind of these rumors or gossip or little stories happening all over the place. He wanted it to be orderly. He wanted it to be structured. He wanted it to make sense. So that... You may know the certainty of the things that you've been taught. He's writing to this person named Theophilus, who's named here. He's writing to this person and ultimately writing to the church so that we can know the certainty of the things that we've been taught. So let's read about that first Easter morning 2,000 years ago. And we read this in Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 1. It says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. And when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and all the others. 
It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because these words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, he got up and he ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. You see, this story here in Luke chapter 24 radically changes the advice of Jesus compared to any other religious leader, any other political leader, any other person's opinions on any topic. (laughs) You see, because this story that the tomb where the body of the crucified Jesus was laid, this story of this tomb being empty, changes the message of Jesus about simply being about good advice. Because ultimately the message of Jesus is not a message of follow my advice. The message of Jesus, the reason we celebrate Easter, the resurrection of Jesus, is because Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. Jesus Jesus didn't say, follow my ideas, follow my teaching, follow these things, and these will make you happier, these will bless your society. (laughs) Jesus said, follow me. And so the big idea that I want us to unpack together today in the remainder of our time together is this. Is the message of Jesus isn't about good advice. It's about Jesus. The message of Jesus is not good advice. It's not a message of good advice. It's about Jesus. He didn't call his followers to trust his ideas. Jesus didn't set a new set of rules and guidelines and religion, uh, religious traditions for people to follow. Jesus said, follow me. Right? Jesus didn't say to take bread and wine as a tradition that will please God. Jesus said, I am the bread. I am the life. Jesus said, I am the vine that the fruit comes from. Again and again and again, while teaching, while pointing people to the things of God, Jesus kept pointing people back to who he was, not simply about the advice. And when you look at Luke's gospel, when you study the arrest, the crucifixion, the death of Jesus, It wasn't Jesus's advice to the people that got him in trouble with religious leaders. See, you don't crucify someone who's telling you to be kind. Well, maybe in today's day and age we do, but ultimately we shouldn't. You don't crucify someone who's telling someone to be kind, to love your neighbor, to think of the poor to remember the widows and the orphan. You see, it's not Jesus' advice that got him in trouble with the religious leaders of his day. He was crucified, he was arrested and crucified and put into the tomb because he declared himself to be the great I am. 
He called himself God, the creator of heaven and earth, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the one with who all of eternity rests. That is who Jesus claimed to be. And religious leaders crucified him for that because their culture, it was against the law that was blasphemous to do so. Right. And so we don't as Christians, we don't celebrate Easter because of Jesus's good advice, even though he gave great advice. (laughs) We celebrate Easter because of who he is. God, (laughs) that he proved his divinity to the world because of this story from Luke chapter 24. When you and I get advice from people and we're not too sure if we should believe it or not. Something I do is I research the advice. I look into it myself. And if advice is good, the data and the research will back it up. If the advice is bad, well, the data will back that up as well. And what's fascinating for me when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus, as I studied that nearly oh man, 20 years ago, over 20 years ago now, oh my goodness, I'm getting old. <laughs> but over 20 years ago, when I studied the life and ministry of Jesus as an atheist, as someone who didn't believe in God, as someone who had no interest in religion or the church, I saw that the data pointed to this story being true. You see, the Christian faith is really easy to uh, disprove. It's really easy to disprove. Just show us the body. Just show us the body. If Jesus was simply a good religious leader giving people good advice and they killed him for it, Christianity could have instantly been stopped by producing a body. But there wasn't one. As the angels said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Because Jesus is alive. That Jesus showed his divinity to the world by getting victory over death. So Christianity is very easily, it's easy to disprove it by showing us the body. It's also very easy to disprove Christianity because of human nature. You see, we have these followers. We see a bit of confusion here with the followers of Jesus in this moment. We see the women who went to the tomb and they're confused and excited and fearful and every single emotion they're probably dealing with. They go to the apostles and they say, he's not there. The body is gone. We saw angels who said he's alive. The disciples are trying to figure out what that means. And then we see later on here in Luke chapter 24 down in verse 36, where Jesus then finally appears to the rest of the disciples. And it says, so while they, while the disciples, they're still talking about this, they're talking about what are we going to do now? Are people going to come after us and arrest us? Where's the body? What are we going to do? All the confusion. While they're talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and he said to them, peace be with you. (laughs) And they were startled and frightened, thinking that that they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? 
And why do you and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And then when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still not did believe it because of the joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? I love that. That, that. There's just something about that at that moment. Well, you got all these followers of Jesus that are just kind of like, oh, what's going on? And Jesus, Jesus calmly just saying, I'm hungry. Let's eat together. Let's share a meal together as family, as friends. Right? And so they gave him some fish and he took it and he ate it in their presence. And then he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of this. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Jesus promises them the Holy Spirit is going to come in them and give them power to do the things that Jesus did, to live the life that Jesus has called them to do. And again, Christianity is really easy to disprove if it wasn't for the testimony of these men and these women who were empowered by the Spirit of God. You see, every single one of these apostles were crucified for their faith. Uh, not crucified, were murdered and martyred for their faith. They all died for this message. I don't think I've ever given someone some advice, apart from the message of Jesus, that I'd be willing to die for what car to buy, what bank to use, what food to eat, what exercise program to use, my opinion on the pandemic. I've got a lot of advice on a lot of topics. <laughs> and if ever you want to hear some of it, just send me a message and I'd love to talk about any topic. I've got a lot of advice to give. But there's not much of that advice that I die for. And it'd be very easy to disprove the Christian faith. <laughs> Because these men, once their lives were on the line, would be like, we lied. Just kidding. It wasn't true. But because of the resurrection of Jesus, it was true. You see, the, Jesus, uh, the message of Jesus isn't simply about good advice. It's about Jesus and who Jesus claimed to be. Right To the sisters of Lazarus, Lazarus was a man who died and Jesus rose him from the dead. To those sisters who were mourning the death of their brother, Jesus said this in John 11, verse 25. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. To his apostles, to his closest followers, Jesus said in John 14, verse 9, he says, anyone who has seen me has seen the father. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said in John 6, 35, he said, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You see, this isn't a message about being a good girl, being a good boy. Follow the rules, follow the traditions. This is a message about who Jesus is. That he came. God came and walked among us. And he came because he loves us. He loves us so much that he wanted our relationship with him to be restored. You see, human history is just full of examples of our pride, of our arrogance, of our self-righteousness, of our sin that keeps us separated from God. And because God is holy and just and loving and all-powerful, God must deal with sin. And the Bible teaches us that the only thing that, that can appease sin, that the penalty of sin uh, has, to, there has to be a sacrifice. And that's why the Jewish people offered sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice in their temple. Even from the early days where we see Cain and Abel, the children of Adam and Eve, offering sacrifices to God... Because of sin, blood must be spilt. But there's nothing good enough, there's nothing pure enough that can ultimately deal with our sin. Except for the spilt blood of God himself. The spilt blood of Jesus. The second part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That he came as the perfect Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. And that is why Easter is such a big deal. That it's not a simple tradition. It's not a simple reminder about following good advice. It's about the resurrection of Jesus. And so we respond to that. We worship Jesus because of that. We celebrate together uh, because of that resurrection. And we rejoice in it. And now maybe you joined us today, and for you, Christianity was just a tradition, was just something that certain people do. And maybe right now you're actually kind of feeling this in your heart as I've shared these scriptures, as I pointed to who Jesus is. There's something in your heart that's shifted a little bit, of shifting from simply thinking of Jesus as someone who gave good advice to an understanding that he's God, And if that's you today, that's not my words, because I didn't give you my words. I gave you God's word today. And I believe God's word speaks to our human hearts to draw us closer to Jesus. And even today, this Easter celebration, you can welcome Jesus into your life just by simply praying wherever you are right now. Just simply praying, Father, thank you that Jesus is who he said he was. That he's God, the I am. And thank you that he loves me so much that he he was willing to die for me. Today, I turn to you. I give you my heart. I give you my life. 
And if you pray a prayer like that today, we are rejoicing with you as a church family. A pop-up shows up here in the chat here at Greenbelt Online. I would love, love, love if you would just fill out your name and your email address because I personally would love to connect with you, congratulate you for that decision, and get some resources into your hand to help you along in this new journey that you have just begun with God today. not going to show up at your home or ask you for anything. I want to bless you and give to you so that you you can really experience all that God wants for you in your life. And for us who have made that decision, whether it was years ago or whether it was just today, but especially for those of us who have wrestled with all the advice that is out there right now, particularly the advice that we see in the Bible. Because sometimes... Again, if we're really honest with one another, sometimes we like certain parts of Jesus, but not others. We like certain things that Jesus gives to me and blesses me with, but we don't like other parts of what Jesus is calling us to as his church. For me, the past 12 months has been a season of laying down my life, of laying down my wants, my preference, my desires, laying down my opinion, my education, my knowledge, my insight again and again and again and again. And it's been tiring (laughs) and it's been exhausting having to do that again and again. But it's incredibly life-giving and it's incredibly freeing because suddenly we find ourselves as followers of Jesus as we celebrate Easter again in a way that is not our desire in a way that is not our preference, in a way that none of us would want to celebrate Easter online. But when we lay down ourselves and we pick up his yoke, we carry his cross, suddenly we find it's easy and it's light and there's freedom in our dying You see, the Bible teaches us that when Christ was crucified, you and I were crucified as well. And the Bible teaches us that because you and I have been crucified with Christ, you and I no longer live, but rather it is Christ who lives in us. And yet we're still in this flesh and the flesh cries out for what the flesh wants. And we, as followers of Jesus, need to deny the flesh, recognize when the Spirit of God is prompting us so that Jesus is glorified in everything, that Jesus is glorified in our lives. Because, again, the big idea is that the message of Jesus isn't about good advice. It's about Jesus. When Jesus says, deny yourself, it's not just good advice. Oh, it works for some people and doesn't work for any. No, it works for everyone because it's Jesus. When Jesus says, stay, abide in me because I'm the vine and you will bear much fruit, that you will have joy, 
peace, hope, gentleness, mercy, gentleness, self-control, all the fruit of the Spirit. When you, it's because you are connected not to good advice, but to Jesus. When the people around you see you as someone who is loving and joyful and as someone who serves and who is sacrificial and who cares about the least of these, they sit there like some of my friends have done who knew Kevin from the olden days. They go, that ain't Kevin anymore. That is someone else because it's not simply good advice. It's Jesus living through you and I. And for me, that is my greatest hope for you, child of God, disciple of Jesus, brother, sister. My greatest desire for you this Easter and for tomorrow and for the next day and for the next day and for every day of your life is that you would reflect Jesus more and more in this hurting, broken, lost, confused world, willing to lay down your life for the sake, for the benefit of someone else. Because Jesus said, if you do that, everything else that you and I worry about in our lives will be taken care of. That is why Easter is a party. That is why Easter is a celebration. We mourn on Good Friday. We party like crazy on Easter Sunday. (laughs) Because the big idea, Jesus' message is not simply about good advice. It's all about Jesus. And everyone has to ask themselves, what are we going to do with Jesus? I hope today you are encouraged in what you should do personally with Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, um, as I have been reflecting on the words of Jesus more and more, um, I'm amazed still 20 years after following you. I'm still amazed at the areas where I see gaps, where I wish I was more obedient quicker. I still see gaps where I wish I was willing to lay myself down quicker. But God, I'm so grateful for your mercy. I'm so grateful for your love. And even more important, I am so grateful that the Holy Spirit is with us, is with me. That I don't have to worry about doing this in my own strength. That I can listen to that Spirit of God that is within us. That promise that Jesus made to all of his fathers, uh, to all of his followers. That this promised Holy Spirit that will come in all of us is with us to give us strength and power to live the life that you've called us to live. So, Father, I'm grateful for that. And, God, I pray for that more and more in our church family. I pray for all of us that we would not be so quick to see certain teachings of Jesus as just advice that we can quickly ignore, but that we would truly, truly listen to you, to seek you, and to grow in the areas that you've called us to to grow. 
I pray, God, for our church family that we would grow in the fruit of the Spirit. I pray, God, that you would grow us in, 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 our, in our faith. I pray, God, that you would grow us in our service. I pray, God, that you would grow us in our worship. I pray, God, that you would grow us in our generosity. I pray, God, that you would grow us in every way that you want us to, to grow us so that we would reflect more the image of Jesus here in our city and around the world for your glory, for your plans. Father God, I'm grateful and thankful for our worship team who worked so hard to put different uh, a new way to worship together this Easter Sunday. And so God, as we continue to worship you wherever we are right now, I pray that we would break out in a party because Jesus is alive, that he is not among the dead, that he is alive And because of the resurrection of Jesus, we have life in him. Let's worship.